everybody. Welcome back to D-Pod. Okay, so today we have a, a start of a new uh, series. I'm hoping it's a series, all right? But it's the student episodes, all right? Mm. And we today we have class of 2025 here. Luke and Neil, welcome. Hello, hello. Yes, sir. Glad all to right. be here. Nice. Hey. Wow. So you guys are like, I guess we've had Jason and Matt before as students. So you're not the That's first true. students, but, oh, yeah. but th- theirs was about senior retreat. It was about mm-hmm. something specific. This mm-hmm. one is actually about you guys. Wow. Let's go. Wow. Do you guys feel special? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, gotta be honest. I, I do feel a little special. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So it also happens to be when we're recording this, it's December 2nd and it happens to be the one year anniversary of oh, uh, our first episode of D-Pod, <laughs> actually. So it's been a year since uh, Toph interviewed me about my faith journey. And so, so hey, let's just, you know, start by talking about D-Pod a little bit. What's been mm. your guys' uh, favorite episode so far? Man, that's a pretty easy answer for me. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's kind of cheating because it's like the two-part series, but the, uh, the dating episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. funny. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, it's definitely the most listened to uh, episode. You know, mm. it's kind of crazy because... Last I checked, the dating episode, the bros one, got 485 listens. Jeez. So I was telling the guys, like, dude, it's as if we had a panel in front of a lecture lecture hall of 485 people. I don't know if we would have told some of those stories if there were 485 people sitting in front of us. But, you know, we know that Luke Walker listened to it 100 times, actually. So yeah, he's actually a quarter of the listens. On, on, on Spotify Wrapped, I found out I was over a thousand minutes listening Whoa, to man. D-Pod. That oh was, my gosh. I think I was like top nine, <laughs> top eight percent or something like that. So r- room to grow next wow, year. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, how Chen, you know, from the international team was telling me that he's top three percent wow. listener. So he was very proud to tell me that. <laughs> I was like, well, people listening to D-Pod a lot, actually. It's my number yeah. one podcast. Oh yeah, that's, that's solid, man. <laughs> it's the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> it's the only podcast you listen to. <laughs> Yeah. So it has to be your number one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> nice, dude. Neil, what about you? Any, any uh, episodes that come to mind? No, just the dating episodes for sure. You, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot to learn in there, especially mm-hmm. like the the lore behind the staff too. Oh yeah, the lore. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Sushi dates. <laughs> the sushi stuff. dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about what to learn. I just thought they were hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Lucas, listen to it again. <laughs> No, but I was saying, like, I don't know how much substance there is actually in those episodes. I just feel like at some point we're just roasting each other. <laughs> but um, maybe, yeah, maybe that's that's part of the fun of it. So if we did another set of dating episodes, what I'm just curious, like what is there additional type of things that you guys would be curious about or or different people that you would want featured? Not I'm not making any promises, but, you know, <laughs> just to get your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that would be interesting for me to hear about is just, I don't know, ways you deal with like the challenges of, you know, wanting to find a romantic partner and those kind of pressures and stuff, like still in college Mm -hmm. and like freshly out of college. And I don't know, that's something that I tried to do and I I did it the wrong way. Mm, Um, Yeah. And so, yeah, maybe what the experience was like specifically like while in college or kind of at that young post-grad kind of age yeah so maybe just giving voice to what people were experiencing during that time mm-hmm. yeah because there's different pressures you get from like family from yourself from culture and we all had to kind of metabolize that in different ways so yeah i think we can definitely talk more about that which would be interesting yeah yeah let's see dang there's a lot that we talked about like individually mm. but i'd say Oh, man. I think I learned so much about the dating episodes already, finding the right one and then 
making sure like you guys are on the same page mm. and you guys are familiar with your priorities and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a particular person that wasn't interviewed that you would like to hear from? Oh, I know. I think Ben and Amy weren't on the oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was kind of looking forward to that. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe we'll do a, a guest appearance from Purdue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought of one too. Uh, we always talk about the successes, but like how to deal with like when, you know, you break up or mm. the relationship doesn't work. Yeah. I think that's something that's really hard to manage. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't hear that many of those stories. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, yeah, I'd be curious, like what would be helpful for people to hear about that? Cause you know, that, that is a part of the dating process, right? Every dating relationship has two successful endings. Either you get married or you break up and mm. those are both successful endings, right? Yeah. And how to, and I think a lot of that has to do with how you view dating to begin with, like what is dating itself. So anyways, this is quickly becoming a dating episode. Now, <laughs> so I'm going to snap us out of that right now. And because we, we can definitely uh, do that in a future episode. But uh, another question about Depot is how do you think Depot has helped you in your Christian walk or how has it been beneficial for you? Because, you know, you guys are like my target audience, right? Like the students. I know that a lot of like Axe Network postgrads listen to this, but, you know, this is not for you, right? This is... <laughs> You know, I'm glad you guys listen, but this is for <laughs> this is for the, the students here. So yes. how has it been beneficial for you? Yeah, I, I think for me, one way it's been beneficial is it gives me something to do at work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I work in, in a prop shop mm. at with the theater department at the University of Chicago. And so I'm like the only guy who works in there either. So, of course, I'm like the biggest, strongest one. So they got me moving furniture all the time nice. and building nice. stuff. And so I'm just like sitting there I'm like, man, what well, like. Listening to music's nice, but it gets boring sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like other podcasts, I listen to them and it's, they're fun, but you know, it, it's, it was cool to have Depot. It's getting to, you know, know the people at the church who I'm interacting with while I'm just chilling at work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I feel, yeah. I feel like that's pretty, been pretty cool. And that was actually one of the visions for the podcast, which is like, how do we take, how do we give more opportunities for content for people who are really busy? Our students mm -hmm. who are increasingly busy. And I would love to have people in my home all the time and tell stories and haha, and it's fine. And we used to do it a lot more, but yeah, I mean, people are busy, people have work, right? Like mm -hmm. you're saying, Luke, and in those contexts, like how, how do we bring those con these conversations into each of those people's contexts? And I think to hear that, you know, you use your work time and things like that, where you're able to listen to something and, and get some of that content that's encouraging to me. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. For me, it was def definitely like very encouraging because you see our staff and then you see that they're really like, you know, happy. They really want to get to know you and stuff like that. But it's also encouraging to see that they also went through struggles in college mm -hmm. and you could really relate to some of their stories. And it's, yeah, it's very insightful on in how they handle those situations mm -hmm. and how we can apply it to our lives too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things about this is that because some of these interviews have been like kind of longer form and, you know, we're not rushed when we're talking. I mean, I guess, you know, it's a little bit of a time limit, but <laughs> but they're like we try to feature stories like a Sunday service, but those tend to be like very efficient. And, you know, it's, it's Sunday service programming. And so it has to be like high impact. Yeah. Right? And so we're very selective about the kind of stories we feature. But then uh, on a platform like Depop, we're able to share maybe the kinds of things that we wouldn't be able to like at a Sunday service. Mm -hmm. And those are usually the kinds of things that, that again, usually happen around the li living room, the dining table, as we just recount old stories. But 
man, like to have a, a platform in which we can do that and for people to be able to uh, listen, I think that's been a huge blessing. I remember early on when I was trying to still figure out whether this was worth a worthy <laughs> investment of my time. I'm like, because <laughs> it does take time to, to produce this and stuff. And then there was like a Sunday service. It was like early on, like after we produced like first couple episodes, Neil comes to me at Sunday service and he's this morning, I, I listened to the whole episode of Depod that you just released <laughs> in bed because I got up yeah. at 6 a.m. I had nothing better to do. So I just, yeah. <laughs> you, you remember that? Yeah. You were just lying in bed and listen to a whole hour of Depod? Yeah, I usually don't wake up at 6 a.m., but <laughs> that morning I did and I saw a notification for Depod. I was like, oh, I got to listen to it right now then. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. And then I've heard from some of the other other New Chicago people that they listen while they get ready in the morning for class, whatever. Mm. Right. And then there was one time Jason told me that, you know, he was working out at the Ratner here and then he was listening to I think he was listening to the dating episode or something like that. And then he was just like laughing by himself. <laughs> but he said he had a realization like, oh, I probably look like a fool right now. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just man. like sitting here on this bench press bench smiling. <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> I can remember my first time listening to that episode, actually. I think I was either in like the in class or in the library. And I was just like <laughs> silently laughing and like face palming at the same time. Oh, my gosh. And then people probably thought you were crazy. So. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> Get him out of here. Yeah, I know. That's funny. Any thoughts on how we should take Depot into the future? What are some things that would be helpful for you? What are some things that you would love to hear that would be beneficial for your walk with Jesus? It's a very good question. I think for me, it would be cool. For example, I'm thinking like an apologetics episode or something, mm. or kind of like the different things you talked about for the glow groups mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. But, you know, episode on some basic apologetics mm. or episode on how to, I don't know, just, yeah, various things that could, I guess for me personally, yeah, just build up my faith in may, maybe more, I don't know, ways of getting better at defending the faith, maybe. Mm. I, I don't know. Mm. That, that's something I think could be cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, one thought I've had is also even to maybe feature like conversations between a Christian and a non-Christian, you know, because I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, when the staff were piloting something called Chicago Light Project mm -hmm. uh, last winter, yeah. you know, and that was kind of an online initiative. One of the things I tried just one day I tried going to University of Illinois, Chicago, you know, UIC, mm -hmm. and I took my podcasting equipment with me. And then I interviewed like random people like on the campus. And it was, it was interesting. Like it was like 10, 10, 12 minute conversations. And and just to kind of model for people, uh, the, the heart was like to model for people what it might look like to engage with a non-Christian and mm. to directly just preach the gospel to them as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a good learning for me. And then I thought it would be interesting. So there would be, so when you say apologetics, I hear there's the content side of apologetics, but there's so many other like podcasts out there who do that already so well. So what's the unique thing that Deepod could bring what might be something more on the kind of story level or like the experiential level, like mm -hmm. what does that actually look like on yeah. our campus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've been really toying with the idea of taking Depot to the campus and yeah, again, engaging with non-Christians and, and kind of even topics like, hey, what does it mean to be a man or something like that, right? And kind of just see what people think mm -hmm. and then we can provide like a biblical basis for that topic. Just an idea. Again, that would require a lot of pre preparation. <laughs> like setting up on the quad and like people yeah, like. Yeah, or like Reynolds Club or something. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that would, that's awesome. And, and you guys awesome. could get in, uh, involved in that, right? Like oh, you, for you could, sure. You could be like, and you could be the host for the day and just oh. like, you know. Luke looks really excited right now. <laughs> he can't, he can barely contain his excitement. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any, any additional thoughts before we move on into our meat of our conversation here? Yeah. Man, 
I'm like, maybe that will work at IIT. It's, it's just that a lot of the student population is introverted. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be kind of rough getting some impact right there, but. Mm -hmm. Introverted Institute of Technology? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. Cool. Hey, so this episode, it's, uh, it's kind of featuring your guys' stories, your experience, you know, coming to Christ, but also your experience at our church a little bit. So let's start with kind of a fun question. So both of you came into our church as freshmen, both from, you know, obviously different spiritual backgrounds though, but what were some of the things that were weird or kind of different about our church, you know, as, as you came in? Cause I think there's, that's some, that's kind of a common experience that people have. Like, oh, that's different from what I was expecting or whatever. And, you, and the reasons that you guys might've felt that might be a little different. So mm -hmm. yeah, who wants to start that first? Yeah. I mean, I think one big thing was the first experience I had with our church was Stefan and Vivian hosted some, some Zooms, like Zoom meetings for the class of 25 students to, you know, hop on and join. Was this pre-fall? Yeah. So this summer, was over right? the summer. Yeah. 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 So it was like Stefan and Vivian. I was on there. Caitlin. Caitlin was on the Zooms a couple of times. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the first experience. And I was like, oh yeah, like this is pretty, pretty cool. But then when I first came to an actual church thing, I've heard it called now like Korean prayer was what I've heard it called. Uh -huh, but uh -huh. basically just the experience of, you said like, all right, everyone let's pray. I picture, you know, everyone kind of, you know, bows their heads and you know, you pray, but everyone started praying out loud, like individually, <laughs> everyone at the same time is praying out loud, yeah, yeah. you know, their own separate prayer. Yeah. And it, it just was kind of jarring as I don't know what's going on. And then, you know, whoever was leading it, probably you, then, you know, just kind of came in, then started praying. And then like, everyone like silently listened in. And was, like, focusing it's like, whoa. In. Yeah. It's like, I, such a synchronized. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah. Cause everyone was like, out loud. I was like, how are they locked in? And I don't know. That was wild to me. I've, I've since gotten used to it a little more. I, when we do that, I'm still not very loud. I, yeah, yeah. you know, not whisper, but I'm definitely on the quieter side <laughs> when we do that. That's funny. No, I, I, sometimes I forget how if you don't, if you didn't grow that or grow up with that practice as a part of your, you know, Christian tradition, uh, then that would be a very jarring experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's actually, you know, growing up in Korean church, like that was one of the primary ways of group prayer that I experienced. So mm. For me, that was never weird, but then I recognize now how weird that is, especially when I visit other churches too. Like I, I get to experience other, you know, predominantly, for example, Caucasian churches, I have a certain style usually, and primary black churches have a certain style, right? It's kind of interesting how sort of this, yeah, because I, I don't know how much of an ethnic thing it is, but yeah, like you were mentioning, some people have identified that as kind of a Korean, kind of came out from Korean <laughs> spirituality, yeah. Yeah, coming from a Catholic background, it, there's definitely so many different things, mm. especially the Korean praying. At first, I was so confused. I was like, why Why is everyone speaking so loudly when we're <laughs> supposed to be praying? Because yeah. when, when we're in Catholic church, you just close your eyes, you bow your head, and then you're just like thinking. Yeah. But when, when it came to praying out loud, I didn't know what to say at all. Mm. So I was like, yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then also, I kind of related to Genji when he was on the podcast. When he saw people when they were when it was like praise time, mm. everyone was like putting their hands up, and I was so confused. I was like, "Why? Why is everyone's hands up right now?" 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, was the singing along to a song with the text on the screen was that weird to you too, or did you have some experience with that? In Catholic church, we just sung from a book. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's karaoke, right? It's like, yeah. You realize that every church has its culture, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, culture being like what we consider normal and things like that. And then that's a part of the. And every church has its sort of liturgies as well. Kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like you mentioned, even the with the kind of praying out loud. We call it praying in unison, right? Praying in unison, and then there's the practice of whoever's leading that group will end the prayer by, you know, loudly starting to pray out loud in a very distinctive way, so that everyone mm-hmm. knows. That's when everyone quiets down and then, but that's a liturgy of sorts, right? That's sort mm-hmm. of a practice that's built into that community that, that once you get used to it, it helps your spirituality, right? Because mm-hmm. everyone sort of knows. So I, I grew up in a tradition where like at church service, people will stand up and sit down at random times. It's yeah. seemingly <laughs> random times and no one says anything. No one says like, all right, please rise. Everyone just knows that at this part in the program, Every, so then even when I visit now, because, you know, my parents church, I'm like, always got to be ready when, <laughs> when everyone stands up. I got to stand up, too, because yeah. I'm not used to their liturgy. Right. Uh-huh. So there's things like that in, in every church that you kind of just have to get used to. And once you learn it, though, it becomes a part of how you express your spirituality. And mm-hmm. I think it can be really helpful. So, yeah, that's neat. Let's talk a little bit about how you guys ended up in Chicago. OK, you know, obviously, Luke, you go to University of Chicago and, you know, and then. Neil, you go to the Illinois Institute of Technology. For people who don't know, that's about 15 minute drive from University of Chicago. It's really close by, right mm-hmm. next to the White Sox Stadium. Very close. Yep. Are you wearing a White Sox cap right now? Yes, I am. Yeah, there you go. Represented the South Side. Oh, you too? No, he's wearing the Cubs. Oh, Cubs, you're wearing baby. Cubs. Oh, Cubs, man. Oh. <laughs> you tricked me because it was a black cap, <laughs> but it's a Cubs cap. But, you know. Uh, so, anyways, it's all right. We'll forgive Luke for that. So, how'd you guys end up in Chicago? Yeah. I've never heard of Illinois Tech until like I got an email about like um, admissions and then they said that, oh, if you if you apply early, you can get like a pretty good scholarship around twenty to thirty thousand dollars. And I was like, oh, OK, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So when I talk to like my friends about it, they've never heard of the college, especially. Um, yeah, it's just weird because. I guess I was the only one who got that email from my friends or they just don't really look in their emails. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I, I had never heard of Illinois Tech until I moved out here to do ministry at the University of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. It's so odd, but. Yeah. It was an email. Yeah. And you were like, email. oh, it's a pretty good scholarship opportunity. Yeah. So you decided to take it up. Okay. Yeah. And so then, so you presumably you got the scholarship and things like that. So, yeah, I got the scholarship. Yeah. And then they also had the major I wanted, which was uh, biomedical engineering. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I thought the uh, program was pretty good. I was like, all right, I'll just put all my eggs into this basket yeah. and go. Yeah. And that's crazy. Cause I remember when we first met you, I heard that you were from California <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Why is this guy from the Bay Area in Illinois Tech? <laughs> it's so random, but that explains it. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Luke, what about you? 
Yeah. So I also didn't really know too much about you, Chicago growing up. I guess the most I knew about you, Chicago was the Freakonomics podcast. Oh yeah. And yeah, like yeah. the, the Freakonomics book. My, my dad would listen to that, play that in the car all the time. So Stephen, I'm actually taking a class with him next quarter. Oh, no way. Yeah, That's wild. So I'm super excited. And yeah, my dad's yeah. totally jealous, which makes it even cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that's like how I like first kind of heard about it, but I didn't really know about the school at all. But they also had, so I guess for a little bit of context, my, my dad's a teacher and um, he went to Stanford and a ton of my family works in education. So that's always been something that's been super important in our family. And then I'm also from a uh, very small town. Uh, shout out Kalinga, California. Let's go. And just, you know, being there, there's not a ton of opportunity for, you know, cool different programs and stuff like that. We weren't close to any colleges. And so growing up, our parents would always want us to do different like summer programs at universities. So I did uh, one at Stanford when I was growing up. My sister did one at UCLA recently. My brother did stuff too. That was always something we wanted to do, like applying to these programs. And the University of Chicago has one specifically for rural students, mm. emerging rural leaders. And so it was really cool. It was like you apply and if you get in, it was completely free. They'd mm. fly you out to Chicago. You'd take a class and live in the dorms for three weeks wow. in the summer. Oh, wow. And that was super awesome. But then I don't know if any of you guys have heard about it. There's this little thing going on in 2020 called the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Someone's mentioned it before. <laughs> <laughs> and so that like completely changed the program and it ended up being like an online thing. And kind of they turned into a college prep course, like learning how to write the college essay and, and different things like that. And so through that, I like, you know, learned a lot about the university and I was like, dude, this place is really cool. Oh, and wow. they taught me how to write a good essay. And so I, I applied to U Chicago, actually a regular decision. Most students at U Chicago are not like that. Mm. I've the vast majority are like or ED1 early decision, like ED2. Like they really decision. wanted to come to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, regular yeah. decision is very <laughs> rare. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I did. And uh, yeah, came out to the University of Chicago in part because I wanted to be different. Because as far as I know, from the little research that I've done, I'm like the first from like my town or high school to come here. Mm. And it's like some of the, I was like this time, like, oh, do I want to go here? I'll stay in California. And I was like, oh, my cousin went to that school. No one's ever been to U Chicago. <laughs> go to U Chicago. Be, yeah, yeah. Be different. But I'm very glad that I ended up out here because, mm. yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. If you had not come to U Chicago or Illinois Tech, where would you have probably gone? Just curious, just to throw that out there. Oh, I'm, I'm curious. <clears throat> I always think about it every now and then. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I got waitlisted into UCSC, okay. Santa Cruz. And at first I was like, they don't really have my major. So I was like, all right, I'll just go to IIT. But then after I got accepted, I saw that I got accepted into like their bachelor's program for biotechnology. I was like, but I already made my decision. To oh, IIT. <laughs> so I was like, oh, oh man. So in an alternate life, you might have gone to Santa Cruz. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Santa Cruz is, I've never been there myself. Banana slugs. I hear it's a beautiful campus, but it's also slightly depressing. It's in the forest. Or yeah, it's in the like forest. That. Yeah. Yeah. It's very sectioned off. It's very isolated. Yeah. You Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Luke? Yeah. In a different life, not too dissimilar from this one, I, I would be a UCLA Bruin. So that was the, oh, the final okay. two schools I was yeah, deciding yeah. to was between New Chicago and UCLA. And I actually think about it a decent amount, like how different my life would be because, you know, we've got people like Toph who, yeah. who went to UCLA, Huna as well, mm -hmm. went, went to UCLA and, you know, Fred 
when we're with yeah. Northwestern, he's always talking about UCLA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I think about a decent amount, but mostly I think my life would be different in terms of like school sport. Yeah. Like, you know, you <laughs> Chicago, we've got a, a rich history, but these days we are D3 and literally nobody cares. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> UC, uh, UCLA, going to the Rose yeah. Bowl. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, in, in a different life, I'm in sunny LA. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That would have been very different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you know I don't know if you guys know, but my alternative school would have been the U.S. Naval Academy. So oh my, yeah, that that would have led to a very different life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that the Lord ushered me into UC Berkeley instead. <laughs> uh, it's actually after I found out I, I got a full ride to Berkeley, then then um, it, it became a much easier choice. Oh, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Naval Academy was definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> thankful I didn't go there. <laughs> I definitely would. I don't know if I would have met the Lord. Maybe I would have. I don't know. But I definitely met the Lord at, at, at Berkeley. So I'm thankful for that. Let's get a little bit into your spiritual background. Yeah, like maybe we can start with Neil, right? Because Neil, you come from a kind of a non-Christian background or, you know, Catholic. Yeah. Right. But tell us a little bit about what your spiritual background was like coming into college or before college, I guess. Yeah. So I grew up Catholic. My parents wanted us to go to church every Sunday. We read or we did the rosary, which is like a bunch of prayers mm -hmm. along a necklace every Wednesday night, which was tough because it's the same prayer over and over again. Mm. And I didn't really understand the full meaning behind it. And then... So were you doing a translation of the rosary or was it in Latin or... Yeah, it was a translation. It okay. was in English. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then times got tough. Like, my dad went through some things. He went through a stroke. Um, my mom was unemployed for a bit when I was in elementary school. And then we were, like, financially not really, like, in a good place. So mm -hmm. we kind of stopped going to church. And then we were, like, focusing on our own things. And, and then I kind of came back, like, later because there was this, like, Thing for Catholics called confirmation. Mm. So I had to go through two years of um, going through youth group and learning stuff, but I, I don't really remember it to this day. <laughs> so it's like a class, right? It was kind of like a class, yeah, yeah. but for me, I treated it as a time to hang out with friends. And right, stuff. Right, right. Yeah. So I didn't really get much out of that. So and were then, you confirmed in the Catholic church? Yes. Oh, yeah. okay. Got it. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Yeah, and then I met up with Ben and Amy on IIT campus when I was eating lunch by myself. And it turned out like Ben and Amy or Ben grew up 15 minutes away from where I grew up, which oh, yeah. was pretty insane, especially like in Chicago. It's so random. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah. You don't meet a lot of Californians at Illinois Tech. I do not. No. <laughs> especially if they're like 15 minutes away from where I live. That's where I grew up or how I grew up. Yeah. So that, and then that was sort of, was maybe uh, the start of a new phase maybe yeah. in your spiritual journey. Yeah. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. So kind of what happened from meeting Ben and Amy and how, like, I guess like you got plugged into our church at that point. Mm -hmm. Like tell, tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah. So I first, first got invited to their Sunday service. At first I was like, I had no expectation because my mom wanted me to look for a church mm -hmm. and then I guess a church came to me, mm. which was pretty cool. So I went out and it was really nice because everyone was so welcoming. Everyone really wanted to get to know me. And yeah, I just felt pretty loved by that and moved. So I just kept going. But at the same time, I'm also doing Course 101 with Ben and Amy. And I just learned so much about like the Christian faith and what sin really is and how it affects me and 
how it affects my relationship with God. Hmm. Was were those Sunday services? The, they were at Cami, is it? Yeah. Okay, the Cami yeah. ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were coming out to church, a service, so hearing stuff there, mm-hmm. and then you um, were doing course um, with uh, Ben and Amy. Yeah. That was kind of your primary interaction with us early on. Yeah. yeah. Luke, how about you? What's what's sort of your spiritual background before college? Yeah, so I I grew up calling myself uh, a Christian. My parents, we like went to church and things like that. And so like my parents, they do like little Sunday school stuff with us, going to youth group and things like that when I was growing up. Then actually the like the church that we would go to in our town, I guess there was like some political conflict there like Mm. stuff was going on that my parents weren't really a fan of and we kind of stopped going there every sunday but every sunday my parents would host a bible study Mm. at our house and so every evening a bunch of people would come and yeah they'd do messages like andy stanley videos Mm. or you know went through like bible studies and and things like that and Mm. then we knew the youth pastor still and kind of had a good relationship with him and so like me and my siblings and cousins we'd go to like youth group on sunday nights and then i think i really like kind of came into like my own and kind of started to really understand my faith and make an actual salvation decision kind of around, I don't have a specific date, but in, in middle school, there was a club on campus. It was called Fox Club Fellowship of Christian Students, but now they've rebranded to being FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. But I like started going to that club at the Tuesday meetings at lunch that we would have. And then I was thinking to myself, like, I wanted to be a leader in the club. Mm. I was like, okay, do I want to be a leader just because I think being a leader is cool? Or is it because, like, I actually believe in Christianity? Mm. And so at that age, you know, I was, you know, thinking about it, praying it, reading the Bible, and then just kind of comparing, yeah, like, the Christian life and then some of my friends who, like, weren't Christian, just kind of the things that were important to us. And I think kind of around that age was when I... I don't want to say really became Christian, but made that salvation decision was in middle school. Hmm. And then in high school, I was really involved in FCA fellowship of Christian athletes. So I was president of that for like my junior and senior year, um, helping out there. We would have meetings weekly and we actually get pretty big crowds. We'd get like around a hundred students coming to our meetings. And that's wild. Yeah, yeah, it it is. I mean, the real reason is because we, we'd have free food. So like (laughs) we'd go to like chicken sandwiches from McDonald's or (laughs) like like pizza from, from this place, Fatty Albert's, this little local pizza joint. And so that, you know, we would have these big meetings and I had the opportunity to deliver messages mm. to my fellow students a couple of times and we'd bring in guest speakers and wow. things like that. So, so that was also a really formative experience in my faith was kind of helping to lead that club and that group. And yeah, I knew that coming to school, I definitely wanted to come to school, come to college. Mm. I wanted to find a church and I actually found out about Voyage. So there's some connections to, to like the Acts 2 network that I didn't really know about. And I kind of came here organically. It was actually through Facebook. My mom saw, I love this story. Yeah. My mom (laughs) saw a Facebook post that was, Hey, we're at at the time make new was the name. Here's like a little welcome gift for you. Chicago students. give us your email and we'll send it to you. And they sent a mask and like a keychain and that actually like a lanyard lanyard that I've still got right here. There you go. Three years later. Nice. And so like I signed up for the gift and she's oh, you know, maybe to try checking out this church. They've also got some Zooms that are going on. Yeah, yeah. And so the first meeting I hop on with Stefan and Vivian and I'm like, hey, like, how's it going? I'm Luke. And my name says Luke Walker. And then Vivian goes, Luke Walker, are you Michaela's cousin? <laughs> and I was like, 
how did you know that? It freaked me out. That's crazy. I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I am. Like, oh my gosh, I know her from Berkeley and we're like totally like best friends. Yeah, they're peers, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so they're and, peers from Berkeley. Yeah, and they've yeah. been, they were like bridesmaids in each other's weddings. Oh, yeah. oh my. And... <laughs> I guess Michaela had told her like, hey, yeah. my cousin Luke Walker is coming to you, Chicago. Yeah, like, keep you know, an eye out for him. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then he shows up to and the Zoom. And then I showed up to the Zoom just <laughs> yeah. on my own. And then uh, another thing too, another funny connection is that JD, who's at the Northwestern Church, yeah. who serves there. I always called him Johnny growing up, which Johnny. everyone finds is hilarious. Yeah, we should call him Johnny. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, he was older than me, so I didn't know him yeah. too well. But one of his younger sisters, Amanda, we were, worked in a fellowship of Christian athletes together in oh, high school okay. pretty closely. Yeah, yeah. But we grew up like, just down the street from right. each other. So you guys are family friends. and Yeah, we'd yeah. see, uh, I'd see like mo mostly his younger sister, not him, but like a youth group and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So all the things that JD says about Colinga, I have to always cross check with Luke because <laughs> JD will say things like, you know, I think just to get us riled up and say Colinga has the best tacos in America. And I'll be like, Mm. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> they, they are very good yeah it, it's funny that you know like Michaela myself and JD are like the people you know from Kalinga where we're all white but like, it's a very Hispanic area oh, yeah, yeah that's interesting and yeah. so like I recently looked up the demographics in my high school was like 85% mm -hmm. Hispanic and a, a lot of it like the tacos is very authentic like you yeah, gotta yeah, order sure. like in Spanish if, mm. if you gotta be at least decent you know yeah me gustaría tres tacos de carne asada. oh there you go always con todo gotta get everything but they oh, are yeah very good. Tres Agaves is, is the spot that I'm Dude, assuming he's referring to. I gotta go one of these days. I've, we I have still, to have, go. I still yeah. haven't been. So, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I, mean, I think maybe to Chicago people, they might be best known, but you guys are from California, so you've had, you know... I mean, there's some pretty before. good tacos in California. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 But I'm sure they're all good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. So, maybe we can kind of come back to Neil and, you know, where we left off, like you were taking course with, you know, Ben and Amy coming to service, but what was like, was there a pivotal moment for you? What, because I know you made a decision to become a Christian, right? Later that year. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of led into that? What were some of the elements that were important for you as you decided to make that decision? So, yeah, there was this exercise that we did in Course 101 with the people that I was like studying with, it mm -hmm. was, I think it was the Mark exercise where we shared our sins to each other. It's probably Mark chapter seven, right? Yeah. 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 Mark chapter seven, where there's that list of all the things that defiles a person yeah. comes out of a person's heart. Yeah. That's probably that. Yeah. yeah. It was a pretty like eye opening moment for me because I know I, that I'm a sinful person, but I don't really notice that impact until like I talk about it and share it. Mm. And then, yeah, that really changed what, how or yeah it really changed how i viewed myself as a as a person who tried to claim that they're catholic or someone mm. with faith and then we and then fast forward to the spring retreat that's when i met luke and that's when we formed triple threat yeah yeah i was really like excited to be there i didn't know what to expect because previously in like youth group retreats it's more like just hanging out with friends playing basketball and all that stuff. I mean, we did that too, but there was like a really good aspect of like workshops. Like the workshops were really informative and I learned how to like put time in for God in my life. And yeah, I also learned about the grand repentance and mm. the gospel. And yeah, I was like really spiritually convicted of my sins and how they affect God and my relationship with God. And I was really like tired of feeling anxious and self-conscious about myself. Mm -hmm. So I think during that prayer time at the end, that's when I really made my decision to follow Christ. Mm. 
So it was at, I believe it was a spring retreat. So it was like the April 2021 or something. Yeah. yeah. I always get confused with winter retreat because it was snowing. In yeah. April. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, so we moved it to April that year because we said, you know, winter retreat, like uh, so much snow and stuff. And so let's try doing it in the spring. And then we still got a snowstorm in April. <laughs> so we're like, never mind. So since then, we've brought it back to just mm-hmm. a straight up winter retreat. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that was really awesome when um, you made that decision there. And, you know, something I'm curious about is, you know, because you sort of alluded to this in the Mark exercise earlier, but like you grew up Catholic and I'm sure you mm-hmm. identified yourself as a Christian. And mm-hmm. so along the way from I think around November, when you first started to come to our church to April, when you made that decision to follow yeah. Jesus, like there must've been a time during that time where you realized, man, I actually don't think I'm Christian. Like I actually don't think I'm following Jesus. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. what do you remember? Like how that was for you? To, Cause I know that for a lot of people, that's really hard to admit. Like, how was that for you? Was that like, was there some drama associated with that? Or was that kind of simple for you? Like, how, how did that play out? Yeah, just growing up, yeah, it was just church. Like, my parents just said, oh, just we just have to go to church. And that's that. And then once you're baptized or once you're confirmed, then you're considered, like, a Catholic or, like, with God. Mm. And But when I went through Course 101 and all that stuff, like, I realized how important it is to read God's word because growing up, I'd never really opened the Bible except when I was like really like curious about what it is Mm. or yeah. And then also like prayer, prayer was really difficult because I didn't know how to pray growing up Mm. because usually it's just the same, like the Lord's prayer. That's how we usually prayed. Um, Call it our father, right? Yeah. The our father, the Hail Marys and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think, Realizing that I was like, dang, I don't know if I really have a relationship with God Mm. and I could really see my sinfulness. I reflect in my past. I see how sinful I was and how okay I was with that. Mm. Yeah. That's, that was really a tough moment for me. And that's when I realized dang, I I guess I'm not really a Christian. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Cause I, I think, I mean, so your experience is not unique to a, it's not a Catholic experience. It's actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, even in the Protestant church that that's, a, I think, a common enough experience among people who grew up in church. It actually mirrors a lot of my experience as I grew up in a Presbyterian background. So it's not Catholic, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's got some of the similar types of rituals. So like I went through confirmation when I was in high school and it's so similar, like I went through like a class and we had a catechism and we had to memorize a bunch of stuff. But to me, it was like just a homework assignment. It mm-hmm. was like just some yeah. stuff I had to pass because my mom made me do it. And so I think that's the thing. It's not that those programs are, are bad. Yeah. I actually think that it's very possible for someone to genuinely be saved yeah, through yeah. that program if their heart is in it. Mm-hmm. But at least for me, like my heart wasn't in it. Like my mom made me do it. You know, if out of, out of you know, wanting to save my mom's face, like mm-hmm. I would, you know, like do, and do a good job, quote unquote, do a good job. Yeah. But then it wasn't until college for me too, where I realized, wait, I don't know if I believe this stuff that like, mm-hmm. I, and I haven't fully come to terms with my relationship with Jesus. And it's not these like things that I did, this class that I attended that saves me. It's a, yeah. it's a me saying yes to Jesus that yeah. saves me. And I don't know if I've actually ever done that. Uh-huh. And so I think, and that was hard for me to admit. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, cause checking myself off as a Christian, you know, in all the demographic surveys or whatever, like that, <laughs> that just becomes a part of who you are. Yeah. So I even would argue for the truth of Christianity, like with my high school friends. And so it's, what does it mean now that I'm saying I'm not a Christian? What does that mean? But then I think, <laughs> then I realized, oh, you know what? That's kind of silly. Like it's more important to be in the right place right now with yeah. God. Yeah. 
All right, so let's kind of talk about your guys' time uh, in college so far. Okay, so like, how do you think your faith has grown or been challenged now through your time at our church? Okay, so for Luke, you know, since you came in um, and for Neil, you know, even after you decided to become a Christian in your freshman year. Um, so it's been a couple years now uh, since then. Like, how, how, what are different ways that your faith has grown or been challenged in the past uh, couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think a big thing that's been awesome is kind of having deeper connections with, you know, other believers. Yeah, growing up, I would go to youth group and things like that in high school. But the kids I went to youth group with weren't really my best friends or the people I hung out with a lot. We kind of, you know, we might see each other in the passing period in the hallway, but it was mostly our interactions would be at youth group. Mm. But then coming here, people like Neil and then shout out Aiden as well. You know, Aiden, yeah, you know, like-minded believers, like actually being like part of like my actual close circle of friends has been super, super awesome and super rewarding. I think one thing too that really I've learned to pretty much do since coming here. I think repentance Mm -hmm. has been something that's been really big and, you know, part of how I've grown spiritually since coming. Cause growing up, you know, I, I knew that I was a Christian and I was very like by the book in high school, I followed the rules very strictly. I, you know, never went to parties, never even wanted to really never drank smoke and anything like that. Wouldn't get in trouble. Uh, And then I would like oftentimes when I felt like bad about myself or, you know, oh, felt guilty about something. I would compare myself to my other friends, be like, oh, you know, he's over here doing X, Y, Z and she does that. I'm not as bad as them. Mm. And, you know, it's fine that I do stuff. And I don't know, even jokingly, like when our parents would like my brother and I, when our parents would get us in trouble, you know, for doing whatever, mom, at least we're not doing drugs. We could be so much worse. <laughs> you know? And that's, <laughs> yeah. what would your parents say to that? They're like, who cares? That's so irrelevant. That has no connection. Oh, oh, you're, you know, spending too much time on your phone. What, like, how does that have anything to do with, yeah. at least I'm not on drugs. But yeah, kind of, you know, getting better at, at coming to terms mm-hmm. with my own sin. And then, yeah, kind of with that, having, you know, a group of friends and people that I'm close to who are believers and I don't know, the, the practice of trying to confess your sins to each other, mm. I think has been something that I've learned to do yeah. even recently in college that has, I don't know, kind of been like a weight lifting off my shoulders mm-hmm. and yeah. really connecting with others. That that moment of being able to admit that and just opening up to other people about it wasn't something that I did a lot like growing up and in high school. And that's just something that I think has been really special in college. Yeah. You know, that experience of, there's something going on in my life that I'm not, I know I'm not being honest about that. I, I know I'm kind of intentionally hiding from people and it's cause you know, our conscience or our, you know, our guilt about that, you know, is kicking in and, but we don't want to deal with it. So then we sort of brush it under the rug or, and so we give ourselves excuses. I was actually reminded of the DT from, I think this past Thursday where we just started the book of James. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the, James one, like it talks about how, if you know, if you lack wisdom, then you should ask God, like you should ask God for anything. And mm-hmm. if you ask in faith, he's going to give it to you. But then it says that we are not allowed to doubt. Yeah. And then it says that, that person who's doubting, they're not going to receive anything from the Lord because he is a double minded man, unstable in all of his ways. And that picture came to mind when you were sharing Luke, it's sort of, that's the picture of the double minded man, right? It's the one, one foot here. Like I want one foot in the God section, the Jesus section, where I wanted to say I'm a solid Christian and I'm, I'm really learning to trust Jesus. And then I have my one foot here in the world and its desires. And let's, we want both, right? Mm-hmm. And as long as we do both, as long as we keep wanting both and we try to maintain 
autonomy in both, then we end up being unstable in mm-hmm. all of our ways. And, and Luke, I don't, I don't know if you're able to like kind of speak to this right now, but you know, I'm sure when you look back on that time, there were times in which maybe you felt like, like you felt like your faith or your ability to live out your faith were being dampened or kind of prevented. Yeah. And like, how, how did that play out for you? Cause I, I'm sure that's part of that experience. Cause I, I think that we can't genuinely experience like taking steps of faith and really feeling like we're one with God when, when, when we're living this kind of like double minded life. And so how did you experience that during that period? Yeah, I, I definitely was hampered in, in just, I don't know, even in like a relational sense, I just wasn't being fully honest with the people who were around me. And so like definitely in, in, in that regard. And then, yeah, I would, um, you know, I'd be like reading DT and reading the Bible and, you know, you know, passages would, I'd, they'd be calling out to me and I'd be like purposefully ignoring them. And, mm. you know, I like knew that I was doing stuff that was wrong. And yeah, with that, yeah, just kind of just that, that gut feeling that I shouldn't be doing this. I think that's probably something we all can relate to in in one way or another, just kind of like having that sinking feeling mm. in the back of your mind, like mm. this isn't something I should be doing. And it was kind of the first time I'd really started to practice like real repentance. Mm. And then also with that, you know, kind of opening up to others about it as well. It, makes like all the other little things that I would try to hide not seem as big a deal anymore. Mm. And it just makes it easier to just, yeah, I don't know, live unburdened, I guess, is is one way that it feels. It really does feel like a weight lifted off your shoulders when you do something like that. Mm. And yeah, kind of having the ability now, I know if I'm feeling burdened down by my sin or things like that, I don't have to just wait for it to pass. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's a way to, you know, bring it to God and then, you know, get support from those around you, you know, from friends, from people in the church who can, yeah, just kind of help, you know, help you in that time. It was kind of like, you know, that was always there, but I wasn't taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's sort of deception through, you know, like choosing to withhold only certain, only yeah. withhold certain things. And, and so because of that, I think what you experience is sort of a closing up of your soul, yeah. right? Both to um, people, but also to the things of God, right? Mm-hmm. And so like you're that experience of reading God's word or hearing God's word and knowing you kind of have to ignore it because otherwise you'll feel too convicted and otherwise you'll have to do something about it. But it's only when we actually do something about it, then like all, all these like pathway, pathways of faith and you know, God's grace open up and, and flood yeah. into our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Neil, what about you? What are some ways where you've experienced your faith growing or being challenged uh, since you became a Christian? I'd say obeying God. After I became Christian, I think it was like my first semester of my sophomore year, I was like really struggling. It was like my <laughs> <laughs> sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of like homework assignments, things that I didn't know at all and then on top of that like we're supposed to go to church and then you got to go to bible studies and prayer meetings and I was like really struggling on managing my time and how to trust God that he can pull me out of these situations and just lead me into a better place and then yeah I think it took a while to find my rhythm because at first it wasn't really like normal to me because I'd have to go out to U Chicago and travel Mm. and then come back pretty late and then do my homework again and stuff like that. But I think over time I learned to say yes to things a lot more. And Mm. then I, I I see myself growing a lot in that aspect of my life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, 
figuring out how to minister to the IIT students like you and how Chen and now Young Jay. And I think that's been, it's been a challenge for the staff too, right? Because <laughs> there's a little bit of a logistical challenge, right? So do we give them a ride every time? Or also like, how do we find out if they want to come? Because, you know, like for you Chicago students, they just show up or they don't show up, right? But like IIT students are in a position where they have to ask for a ride. And then it's like higher pressure to some degree because it's, you know, like here I am, like the pastor's like texting them. Hey, are you guys coming tonight? <laughs> Shoot, I wasn't going to show up, but now he's texting me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I'm, you know, we're very highly aware of those kinds of dynamics and we're trying to figure out how to uh, best navigate that together. But yeah. yeah, man, thankful for like the ways in which you've taken those steps of faith. And, you know, like I know that like even our, you know, kind of bros small group time we had this past week, you know, after we met. You know, I was like saying bye to these guys. And then Neil's like, all right, I'm going to go study from a midterm tomorrow morning. I'm like, you had a midterm tomorrow morning? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Did not do good. I didn't realize. <laughs> oh shoot. But man, that's a, you know, as long as that that's a step of faith that you're taking, you know, with mm-hmm. the Lord in your heart, man, I think that's honorable. Hey, so maybe I can ask this. I think one of the things that I think we really emphasize in our church a lot is, is you know, this element of community. Yeah. Right, Acts yeah. 2 church, you know, that being a big part of Christian discipleship, like becoming part of a, a community where you're known and and knowing others and supporting others and, and carrying out the mission of God together, right? How, how have you kind of experienced growing in that or how is your understanding of what the church is supposed to be changed or grown over the past couple of years? Yeah, the church is a wonderful thing. Yeah, growing up in Catholic church, it's not, it's it's a lot of like independence. You're just there. You don't really like, talk to the people unless, or yeah, talk to people around you unless like you're obligated to, like they talk to you like, oh, hey, how was your day? Yeah, oh yeah, cool. Mm. All right, <laughs> good to see you. See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the community here is very like uplifting and very supportive. Like just as like what Luke was saying, like the way you can confess your sins and them supporting you and being with you every step of like, your situation that you're going through, it's really, it's really warm and loving. You don't really get this type of community anywhere. And then they're all very genuine people. And it's just, yeah, it's just really amazing to mm. be part of. Mm. Yeah, man, I, I think for me, yeah, seeing more people like closer to my same age, like living out uh, a walk with Christ, you know, I would go to youth group and stuff. But, you know, like I said, I kind of only really would hang out with those people at youth group. And like, I don't know, also too, like, it's kind of like more like awkward friendships and, you know, not like those weren't like the cool kids in school <laughs> or anything like that. I, I even remember, you know, the first time I saw Neil at service, you know, he was, you know, wearing, you know, cool, cool hat, had, had, had the fits on better fashion sense than I do. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, let's be honest. I got work to do. And, you know, I was like, oh, you know, someone cool is, you know, trying to come in and see Christ. Wow. Even cool people need Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like even like the church as a whole too, you know, a lot of the staff, you know, like in like their twenties and now I guess Stefan's in his thirties now. Happy birthday, Ooh, Stefan. Happy, belated happy birthday. Belated. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like seeing young people like that really living out for Christ was, I don't know, my picture of who's someone who's like a pastor. It's, you know, you're, you kind of had your career and like you kind of retired. So now, I don't know, you're in like 50 or 60. And so now you're going to be a pastor or something like that. Mm. But like making that your focus, like young in life, I feel like each one of these people here who like work on our staff, I would pretty okay, you probably would be like a youth pastor, at like some other church, but having it like be like, a team together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's very encouraging. And 
Yeah, just the whole Acts 2 concept, I think, is really cool. That was another thing that kind of threw me off at the beginning. It's like, mm. oh, yeah, we're just going to go over to so-and-so's house. And oh, yeah, we're going to be at, you know, <laughs> or Stefan's house. Oh, it's actually at, you know, Agape's place. Oh, you know, we're all going to go over to DP's house. And I was like, because we don't have an actual church building here. I don't know. It's just really cool. And a phrase that, that I've often, you know, heard our church, you know, doing life together. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't something I really experienced in high school. Like I said, we'd hang out at youth group and that was pretty much it. But, you know, going to church and, you know, mm. doing spiritual disciplines, playing, praying together, yeah. DT yeah. together, you know, we were doing those things, but, you know, we're also spending way too much time at Jim's original <laughs> on, on Maxwell and, you know, going in and, and hooping up and, you know, retreat till, you know, like mm. 1230 playing basketball in the gym mm -hmm. and, you know, fun things like that, that I don't know, I think really, I didn't understand how full and fulfilling yeah. Christian life really was until kind of being part of that kind of group. Yeah. 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 We talk about life on life. We talk about whole life discipleship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think one of our, one of my pet peeves, which I try not to be grumpy about, cause you know, I, I use this word in that sense too, but you know, describing church as, as a Sunday morning gathering mm -hmm. church or church being a building. Mm -hmm. Hey, Oh, where do you go to church? Like what, people mean by that often is, you know, what worship service do you go to? Yeah. Right. And and where do you choose to spend, you know, 90 minutes of your time on Sunday morning? But I think we all know, like everyone knows that's not church. I mean, I, I, if you've been properly instructed, right. Mm -hmm. And But then we don't, it, sometimes it doesn't invade other parts of our thinking. No, we are the church. Like we yeah, are to be yeah. the church together. And we were supposed to have a, a, a kind of a, a mutual destiny that we're all going towards as we pursue Christ together. And so I think often we, a lot of us, we grew up with a very low view of church. And I don't mean like low church, high church in the kind of, you know, like Presbyterian being high church tradition, Baptist being the low church tradition. I don't even know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but because I'm, yeah, I'm not, no, they did it like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right now. So for people who do that, like, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like how important and central the role of the church is to a believer's life. And I think for me coming to our church, I, I learned to have a much higher view of church yeah. over time and say, wow, this is actually a, a big part of God's salvation plan, mm -hmm. which is the church of Christ, the body of Christ, the universal church, of course, but also the local church. Like that's how God is gonna not only save people, but after you're saved, form those people into kingdom laborers, mm -hmm. right? Who then know how to build, continue to build into the church, right? At large. Yeah, for me, the church has been a, a huge encouragement and and has really, I guess, directed how I view uh, my ministry, right? Is kind of introducing people to that idea of the church. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk a little bit about how you guys manage, Neil was sort of alluding to this earlier, but like, how do you guys manage the stresses and anxieties of being a college student and trying to live out your faith? All right. And maybe the answer to that is not well, <laughs> but I don't know. So Luke, you know, you go to Chicago is pretty, it's a pretty hard school. I think, right? yeah. And then Neil, you go to a pretty intense engineering school, actually, with your curriculum is pretty, pretty intensive there. How do you guys, or how have you dealt with the stresses and anxieties of, of that while trying to? live out Christian life and, you know, strike a balance. And I don't know, how do you guys do that? Any perspectives on that? I'd say you just maintain a really good, they say work-life balance, mm. well, I guess school-life balance. Yeah. yeah. Just make sure you rest enough. <laughs> it's pretty important because mm. at times you'd feel like really like groggy or tired, but someone told me that you rest to do work instead of like, work enough and then you rest for a little bit hmm. so yeah and then also it's good to have extracurriculars too hmm. and 
that one that really lightens the load a little bit mm. just do things that make you happy and mm. then like basketball for me but even though i don't really play basketball that much i'd say at least playing basketball once a month makes me happy oh yeah, yeah i did something yeah okay yeah yeah and then when it comes to balancing going to church events and school i'd say it's really important to manage your time last year i was really on my phone a lot and I realized that, dang, I spent so much time like scrolling through Instagram and stuff when I could be doing my work and like freeing time for these events. Yeah, I talked to a lot of people about this. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what are you doing like between this time and this time when you could be doing this thing? Mm-hmm. So it really, I just had to find like a rhythm for that. And then I think over time, I've grown so much from the past that I'm doing work and then I'm also like freeing a lot of time to hang out with, with the church. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, I actually get told so often by, you know, especially people like, you know, Stefan and Agape who have kind of been at this church the longest that I'm not like a normal U Chicago student. <laughs> I'm getting told that so much. Yeah, I feel that I feel I'm like, this guy needs to be a little more stressed out. Does he go to this school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, with that, I mean, even beyond trying to not be as stressed, just like being such an extrovert, I feel like I don't find very many people like that at mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of something that my, my whole life I always kept super busy. I mentioned coming from a small town, you know, with that wanting to get into a good college or thing like that, you need to have a really beefed up resume. And, you know, in high school, I would be in, I think I was in like 10 clubs throughout my time in high school. Um, and so, you know, there would be days where I was at school from, you know, 7.30 a.m. to, you know, like 7.30 p.m. You know, I was a little Troy Bolton. Like I'd go to like drama practice, like still in like my football pants from practice, you know, with like my thigh pads Troy and Bolton. stuff on. You know, I didn't like to call myself that, but like a couple times someone called me. It was like, okay, I feel like now that someone else has said it to me, I can say it. <laughs> but, you know, just I, th- I think in high school, I, I really learned how to manage my time. But I was actually shocked how hard it was in college at first. Yeah. Like one thing too, everyone's like coming to college, don't take 8 a.m.s. Mm. And then, you know, the thought is, you know, I got up at 6.30 a.m. every day to go to high school. How's yeah. it going to be so hard? And it is so hard. <laughs> it's so, so hard. Because yeah. your mom's not there to wake you up anymore. <laughs> yeah. I only, I, I took one 8 a.m. class and I never did again. And I'm a pretty early riser. Uh, but oh man yeah <laughs> no um, adms for neil oh dude i'm a i'm not a morning person but all my classes this semester or yeah monday tuesday wednesday thursday 8 35 a.m oh that's rough <laughs> not fun <laughs> just consider it training for when you have a kid <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah but no kind of in college one thing that i do is i don't only plan out my time for when i'm gonna be doing work like I intentionally give myself like, you know, periods of time throughout the day to like just chillax and have fun. And, you know, with that, too, it oftentimes makes the time that I'm working a lot more efficient. Mm. So like my first two years here at UChicago, I was heavily involved um, in an improv group off campus. Shout out. And and we, we would have rehearsal Monday through Thursday from 7 to 10 p.m. 
And then we'd have shows on Fridays. And we'd also have rehearsal That's on crazy. Sundays. So it was about 20 hours. That's crazy. 20 hours. <laughs> it, it was about 20 hours. And then I actually found my, when that commitment, me as part of like the big performing generation, when that stopped in like my winter quarter last year, I actually found out that I was a lot less efficient with my work because mm. when I didn't have time, that meant when I was doing my work, I was getting it done. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, lollygagging and, you yeah. know, Oh, it's fine if I go on Instagram here and blah, 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 jump yeah, it back and forth. gagging like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I kind of found that I was like, wait, I'm actually a lot more efficient when I'm busy. And I found that like in high school too, like during, you know, the sports seasons when you only have a little bit of time to get your work done, you get it uh, done. Yeah, yeah. And so with that, you know, making sure that I'm very intentional about the periods when I'm working. Um, and so I don't know, for example, you know, I'll, my work today, like I, I go into my job and that's from 10 to 12.30 and then classes at two. Okay, so I need to work from, you know, like 8.30 to 10. I need to make sure I'm actually getting my homework done because mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. afterwards I'm going to go to lunch, then I'm going to go to class and then, okay, now I'm going to work till about five o'clock and then kind of the rest of the day I'll give myself time to like just kind of decompress and hang out and, you know, go to various activities and stuff at night. And so, but like kind of with that being super intentional about when I'm working, helps me not only be less stressed because, you know, I'm getting work done, but it's getting good work done. And then you're also just in general less stressed when you're doing fun things like dressing up as an elf and helping Santa <laughs> bring in gifts and dancing in front of a little crowd. Oh, nice. you when you're doing, when you're doing nice. stuff like that, it, it just makes life more fun. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And man. so, yeah, I think when you make time for those fun things, yeah. it just brings me joy. Yeah. And then but you know, it is important to work, but just, yeah, just, I think intentionality is the big thing. I've probably said that word like four times already. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's really good. Yeah. And I think, um, at institutions like the university of Chicago at Illinois Institute of technology, I mean, these are campuses that really their main goal is to just drill as much content into yeah. you as possible. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, I, I think that both institutions and most institutions, I think undervalue the relational needs and, you know, if I think about college experience, right, you're supposed to be being formed as a human being during that time. Mm -hmm. and, and that can't possibly be just the, the knowledge that you're learning, right? Yeah. Part of what you're being formed as a human being during your college years is the relationships that you're developing, your ability to work with, discuss with people that have different views from you, right? And then, you know, the extracurricular stuff, I think that's a huge part of the formative, right? And for a Christian, like that, a big part of that's going to be your walk with Christ and how you handle that that area of your life that really needs to be a huge part of your equation right and so i really like what you guys are saying about the, the intentionality like even kind of scheduling in times where you're like not going to work <laughs> right because yeah. in, in, in some ways that could be like a non-negotiable thing right so that could you know be everything from you know just hanging out with people to like times for your devotions or times to attend Bible study. Yeah. And you're saying like, you know what, like this, I'm not going to budge on because this is that important. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and dude, a lot of it, I, I mean, I like what Neil said about Instagram. Cause I honestly, man, I think a lot of the time is, on the phone yeah. <laughs> like just calculate how many hours get wasted because of the phone or because of netflix or whatever it is right and then and then if you get all that time back what could you do with that possibly yeah, right? there's so much time that you're doing here and like why aren't you like spending it on like going out here or yeah something how more productive do you, how do you not have time for this yeah yeah stuff? And we keep saying that it's so important for us to do X, Y, and Z yeah. because of our faith or because we want to hang out with people. And yet we seem to not be able to find time and yet <laughs> we have all this time, yeah. right? And so, yeah. And then with that, the only thing I think I would add onto that is sort of um, 
because the thing is like the demand to do well in school is like almost relentless. Yeah. At, at least that was my experience. Like I can always study a little more so that I can raise my 92% A minus into a 94% A. Right. And so like that the relentlessness of striving for excellence in school, I think over time I had to learn to let go of that as a student, mm-hmm. especially when I went to grad school, I had to learn to let go of it because that's also when I started act, do, actively doing college ministry, but to be okay with, not being a straight A student. I know that sounds absurd, but I really had to struggle with that personally. Because yeah. I think part of my identity growing up was that I was a straight A student. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or actually not really. In, in high school, I already started getting B's and C's. But I, <laughs> I got B's and C's at a you know really tough high school. And I considered Berkeley easier than my high school. When I came to Berkeley, I again wanted to be a straight A student. <laughs> so, but then no, I couldn't maintain that. I couldn't maintain that plus do all the things I said I wanted to do in, in, in terms of pursuing my faith. It's mm-hmm. just unrealistic, yeah. right? So, yeah, thanks for your thoughts on that. Okay, so maybe the last topic we can touch is sort of your guys's your guys's friendship, right? Over over the years, they're giving each other a, a little handshake. Now that's very cute. What were some of your guys's first impressions of each other? And then let's talk about like how how you became friends and then how your relationship's grown over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, I kind of already touched on my first impression of Neil. So kind of like he said, we didn't really get to know each other too well until yeah. that spring retreat, the snowy spring retreat, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the spring retreat during winter until that spring retreat. But, you know, like before we only had like a couple of conversations and yeah, I mean, I knew that he was from California, so I thought that was cool being from California. Yeah, mutual, some mutuality yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And then at U Chicago, I have like so few people that I know like care about sports Mm. and i love sports mm. i love them and neil he's talked about basketball and that was one thing i was like dude i got to get to know this guy because i'm just over here needing to talk about sports and i'd like you know call my dad <laughs> just to talk about sports and he only follows so much because you know he's got a full-time job and he's yeah. you know a father raising a family i'm like dad <laughs> you see the nba game you see he's no luke i didn't <laughs> and so i was like man i gotta find some people to talk to yeah yeah um yeah that that was one thing and then yeah i, I think I don't know. Yeah. Neil was, I, I remember feeling that. I remember yeah. feeling like when you guys were getting to know each other and you guys could start talking sports and then maybe Jason Gubo was a little bit part of that uh-huh. discussion and stuff. And I just remember feeling, oh, I'm so glad that Luke has someone to talk <laughs> sports with because that's a big like needed uh, outlet for yeah. people, you know, it's and, you know, I'm not the right person for that either because, you know, I'm just like, I don't really care. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, anyways, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, yeah I was you know what's crazy? That. Like Speaking of sports, like shout out Northwestern, man. They beat number one Purdue last night. They did? For, yeah. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. I bet our new staff probably don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I bet Steven and Han know. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They know for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah shout out okay. to Purdue. <laughs> First impressions of Luke. Oh, yeah. He was just, yeah, really friendly guy. Really wanted to get to know me. And I was like, oh, yeah. Sports, yeah, sports. But he was a Ca- he's a Cavs fan. Oh, and I'm a Warriors fan. Oh shoot, yeah. So there was, there was a, a little bit of tension there. Yeah, but it's a healthy one. It's yeah, a healthy yeah. one. It's good. You can't. Yeah. It, it, it'd be too romantic if all the stars aligned, right? <laughs> oh <okay. laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's good because like it it relieves some of the bias within me. For the Warriors. Yeah. I mean, both teams aren't championship contenders really anymore. So yeah, it's not. Quite as maybe he just, he just this their warriors man. Well, let's let's be honest. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we're both like within one or two games yeah. of five hundred. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Dude, like twenty eighteen, like those four years in a row where we played in the final. I don't know if I could have been friends with him. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good thing our teams aren't doing so well. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So then, how did your guys's friendship kind of grow over time? Or yeah, like what's been 
yeah, what's been, I don't know, just what comes to mind as you guys think about your friendship over the past couple of years? I mean, I, I think one thing that's really unique is, you know, we're, we're two students that go to different schools. Mm. I feel like that's not really a very common college thing. It's like when you picture a college, it's like a college town. It's, you know, Ann Arbor is the University of Michigan. You know, right, Madison right. is, you know, Wisconsin, right? right? Like That's what it is. But, you know, Chicago, it's the schools aren't the focal point of the city. And because of that, you know, you've got the multiple schools. Yeah. And, and so with that, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's cool just to, you know, kind of be hanging out with someone who has a little bit of a different perspective. Mm. It just, you know keeps things fresh. We're not always talking about the exact same thing every time. I feel like with my U Chicago friends and it's always, oh, how's this thing? Okay. Yeah. We're going through the exact same situation. Okay. Exact same situation. Exact yeah. same situation. <laughs> and you know, it kind of, you know, it's nice to relate to people in that regard, but it kind of gets boring sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's oh yes. I had that professor yeah. and he was like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so I, I think that's one thing that's cool, but there's not a ton of people at our church who are in our same class, mm -hmm. especially for the guys. I know there's a lot of the class of 25 of like the sisters. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, a lot more sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of with that, I feel like Neil and I, even though we would go to the different schools, we kind of like naturally yeah. went together. And yeah, I, I don't know. I just think what, what I like about Neil is that, you know, he's kind of got like kind of a mellow vibe and I'm, you know, much more ENFP, boom, boom. <laughs> and, you know, it, it helps balance me out. It helps me chillax a little bit. Yeah. That's funny because considering the cities you're from, I would expect it to be the other way. Yeah. I would expect like the, you know, from the Bay Area to be like, boom, like the oh, next thing, whatever. And then Coalinga to be like, dude, let's just chill out. But, uh, but yeah, anyways, that's, that's not how it's Drive through the oil field, yeah. check out Harris Ranch, yeah. check out the calves. <laughs> yeah. What, what comes to mind for you, Neil? Yeah. We're saying on that, like totally like different. Cause when I was in high school, cause yeah, when I was in high school, I really didn't try mm. in, in school it's just like i just kept doing basketball and then if there's homework yeah i'll do homework <laughs> what i study uh maybe yeah yeah, yeah but because you were on the varsity like the varsity basketball team or yeah, yeah. Uh, i was involved with basketball a lot okay, and then okay. yeah varsity senior year yeah but yeah for our friendship yeah it's very different because at school like the friends that i have there we're always just like complaining about school, <laughs> complaining about professors, yeah. complaining about the workload. But here is with Luke, it's, it's pretty chill. Nobody really talks about sports in, in like social media and memes and stuff at school. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's very serious in uh, there. Yeah. Very yeah. intense. But here is like, oh, it's, it lightens the load a little right, bit. Right. Yeah. Reminds me of the high school days where you just goof off. And yes. Yeah. <laughs> You need that context in which you can just be each other, like just be yourself, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and just, you don't have to be like, you don't have to be reminded of all the stressful things in your life constantly. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when like school is so competitive too. Mm -hmm. Like people are like gatekeeping assignments. So, oh man, you're not really that close with me, I guess. So yeah. Yeah. academic posturing is exhausting. Oh, it, yeah. it really gets exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And tell, so, tell me more about what, what is, what do you mean by academic posturing? Yeah. So just people at U Chicago, and I'm sure it's, it's similar to IIT, but just this idea of, Oh, I'm so smart and I'm so well read. And I know, so I think Marx has to say blah, blah, blah. And then Nietzsche. And it's like, dude, chillax. You're 19. You're 19. Just come on, it's man. It's not a full-time job yet. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, like this idea of, you know, wanting to look cool and look smart. And, you know, I feel like when I hang out with Neil, I don't need to do that. Cause you yeah. know, we're just hanging out as friends and, you know, 
neither of us like thinks that we need to look a certain way. (laughs) And yeah, it's really refreshing to, you know, just hang out with people who are like that. And it's, you know, I don't know, just kind of just guys being dudes, you know, just not just (laughs) hanging out. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And you need that, man. That's, you know, so right before I interviewed you guys, we were doing a, we were doing the peers episode with the staff, you know, the basic series. And we finally got to the peers episode. But one of the things I was sharing about my experience of my friends is that more more than anything, they're the group of friends who's never impressed with me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So to you guys, I'm like, I'm the pastor dude. And, you know, but when I'm with my friends, I'm, they're like, this is just DP. Like, <laughs> right? like and, and we can just, you know, just it's sort of it's sort of nice because like we kind of know each other's stories and mm-hmm. we're all serving in different ways and at different capacities or whatever. But like when we're together, it's sort of, you know, like we're just friends again. And obviously we're friends trying to encourage one another to pursue Christ together. But yeah, there's something about that where I, I can just be like, I don't have to like posture. Yeah, I don't have to be somebody yeah. right in front of my peers, in front of my friends. So. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys get to experience a little bit of that. And um, so and I know we've talked a lot already about, you know, like the fact that in the church we get to like, you know, we grow together, we can bear burdens, we can confess our sins to each other. So all that's happening. You guys are experiencing that now as you guys look forward to the rest of college. Okay, man, you have about a year and a half left. Oh, yeah. Both of you. What's your vision? A year for and two thirds. A year and two thirds. Sorry, but a year and, oh, closer to a year and a half for Neil here. <laughs> oh, that's true. They're not our quarter system. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he's been in school one month longer than you so far <laughs> this school year. What is your vision for your friendships you know, between you as well as maybe some of the other brothers that are, are kind of part of the subs bros group that we're mm-hmm. trying to you know grow up together? What is your vision as you look at the next year and a half? Yeah, I mean, I, I think one thing that is also really cool about our church and what we've got going on in like the Acts 2 kind of like basis for a church is that I feel like we've got like pretty good examples of that looking at, you know, like there's the what's the 2015 group that was, you know, like Ben, Agape, mm-hmm. Stefan um, were kind of like the main ones that, you know, I'd hang out with. And then, you know, looking now you got, you know, like Genji, Percy and Nicholas, you know, hanging out with each other. And then, you know, Tof as well. And then the ways that like, you know, they interact with each other, mm-hmm. you know, some of the guys who are a couple years older. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of, yeah, being there for each other. And yeah, I think my pitch is that I'm in an apartment and there's four of us, right? Mm-hmm. Two guys are graduating this year. Mm-hmm. So I think we should figure out a way to get Neil into one of those, <laughs> one of those rooms. That's my master well, plan. It's, it's been said, it's been said on D-Pod. Yeah. That's my master plan. So. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, IIT is a drive, so I don't know if that'll happen. I've been, I think I've been not subtly mentioning that to Neil too as an idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just suggesting that, you know, it's simple. You just got to get a car. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but yeah, with with so much pressure. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, yeah. Why don't you? Keep yeah. No, I, I was going to say, yeah, just and then I've also been trying to plant the seed for Aiden, too, because, oh. you know, and a- Anderson, he's a oh, yeah. third year that we both know who's in ROTC. Mm-hmm, yeah. And but he moved off campus this year. So oh. I'm like and Aiden's in ROTC. And so that's, like, you know, how he gets like his money for school. And so yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, if Anderson could do it, you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> you could do it. But no, yeah, just kind of trying to I, I think one thing now you know, as we're both now we're, we're upperclassmen, yeah. right? Which is still crazy to me to think mm-hmm. uh, that I'm already an upperclassman in yeah. college. I remember like when I was an upperclassman in high school, I was like, oh, whoa, this is awesome. This is so exciting. <laughs> and now I'm like, yo, I'm not ready. Yeah. Don't worry, you'll be a, a lower classman in life soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> put it that way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but with that, yeah, trying to, you know, 
be a, you know, a figure that, you know, someone like first year guys or younger people can kind of look up to and kind of, you know, show mm. how it's possible to, you know, be in college and, you know, be a Christian and, you yeah. know, be really committed to your faith and your friends, but, you know, also, you know, still be in college and be a successful student mm. and do something like that. And I think that's one cool thing about us being on different campuses mm. is that, you know, there's more people that Neil or I could reach yeah. in that way. Mm. So, yeah, I think, you know, being the salt and the light for, you know, those people around us, especially, you know, younger ones trying to younger it's two years we're all adults but you yeah. know people who you know yeah two sure. years in college is a lot, a lot um, yeah you grow a lot in two years yeah. yeah and so trying to be that for people is i think something that i would love to be able to be equipped to be mm -hmm. but then also yeah like actually doing it i think could be um super awesome and mm. yeah not only you know helping out other people but i think when you do that you grow on your own like i had mm -hmm. experiences that you know in high school I, I talked about you know being president of clubs and things like that you know it really is super rewarding to see other people grow but then you and your you you learn a lot about yourself through that experience and i'm sure you definitely relate having you know done ministry for these years about yeah not only is it awesome to see how other people grow but the growth that you get from that as well is really second to none yeah for sure like i think in some ways one one of the reasons God wants us to engage in ministry is is for us, right? It's it's not so much, you know, as much as it is for people under us. It, it is really for us, and we get to share in God's heart in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I thought what was really neat from Luke, what you were sharing, is this vision to maybe, yeah, even you know, as you think about younger people that you want to reach and be a blessing to, like expanding your horizons to beyond your campus, right? Like it's neat that the the situation we're in, like Luke, you could legitimately get to know some of Neil's friends if you wanted to, right? I mean, and Neil the other way around too. And you could like even have a sense of ownership over the campus that's not even yours, right? Because it's like right there, mm -hmm. right? And these are all people that I could potentially bless, right? And yeah, I don't know, like I, I never really thought of it that way because I mean, I think on our other campuses, like the big campuses, we're always trying to give vision for the upperclassmen to, to really take ownership over the younger classmen, obviously on your campus, but there's no campuses nearby that you can own like that. <laughs> but for us, it's a little bit unique. So. There's also 40,000 students there and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 7,800 yeah. for their grad. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think mean, I think IIT and Chicago combined, it's like ten thousand for yeah, undergrads. Much, yeah, yeah, for undergrads, yeah. It, it's funny coming to college. Everyone's oh, U Chicago's so small, and but to me though, like U Chicago undergrad plus grad students is more than Kalinga. Oh wow! Yeah, and so everyone's always oh, it's so small, it's so small. To me, I'm like. This place is huge. Yeah. Actually, Chicago is not a small campus. It's just the undergrad population is small. Yeah, because in most campuses, the, un the undergrad population is way bigger. But yeah. I think here it's like over two times the size of the undergrad population is the grad. It, it used to be. It's, it's a little closer now. Undergrad is, last time I checked, which it's been probably like close to a year, it's like 7,800 mm -hmm. compared to nine or 10,000. So. Oh, the grad school numbers dropped a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're catching up. Go more. Oh, nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> nice. Neil, what about for you? What in terms of vision for the next year and a half or so? Yeah, maybe trying to start the student org at IIT. Oh yeah, okay. That, that, that's really a a big milestone for us, and it, it's kind of tough because they're very the student government is pretty like selective with mm. their student orgs, and there's already like some Christian groups there, mm. so we just got to make sure you know we we can find. Or we already know what, how we stand, stand out, but mm. we just got to go through that process. And the biggest, like, mm. the biggest obstacle is just finding an advisor for that. Yeah. So, yeah. And then also there's a lot of room for us to grow to both campuses. Like 
we're also thinking about starting some accountability groups mm. and yeah, just that's a really good way to um, grow in our faith mm. and get closer together too. Same time. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, if we could get a, a student status or student uh, org status at IIT, I think that would definitely change our Illinois Tech game there. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, we're we get we can get traction doing outreach there even without that status, but it'll give us legitimacy. We can get rooms on campus. I yeah. Mean, and there's some nice auditoriums at IIT, man. You know, I'm like, maybe we should just do all of our stuff at IIT <laughs> and move our primary campus to IIT. <laughs> Definitely the rooms are bigger there, man. We're oh, yeah. outgrowing our, I feel like, I mean, we're not like really outgrowing it, but you know, this lecture hall that we use right now at UChicago. Uh-huh. I mean, when we have visitors, that place is like crowded, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm, I'm always thinking about a couple years down the line, like what rooms are we going to use? All right. Okay. Okay. So I think that we that comes to the end of kind of me asking you guys questions about your stories but wanted to turn it around now and if there were any questions that you wanted to ask me you know now that we're here in in this context yeah what were some (laughs) things that you you're curious about (laughs) i I wanted to turn around one of the questions that you asked us Mm -hmm. um what were your first impressions of uh neil and myself wow as like the pastor looking, oh yeah, it's like Chatty told me he was like, yeah, man, honestly, I didn't think you would stick around. Like he, like when I asked him, not in a mean way, not in a mean way. Oh, to you, yeah, said to that me, to you. yeah. Oh, I was oh, like, oh. what did you think of me? He's oh yeah, I didn't really think you'd stick around. Yeah, sorry, I'm not yeah. trying to diss Chatty. Yeah, but. I mean, I might have thought that too. I'm just <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually think that. No, my okay. My first impression, okay. I mean, I don't know what my impression was, but basically, I knew you were coming. Because again, we heard through, we heard through Michaela and, you know, and then when you came, I was like, oh, like I knew you were like a well-churched, like a well-churched kid. It's kind of weird to call you kid. You guys are all adults. Because I, I remember you would like, when we were praying, you would take off your cap, you know, things like that, that, you know, and I remember this one time, Neil was like, oh, are you supposed to do that? No, it just depends. It just depends <laughs> yeah, on your upbringing, right? Because there are certain Christian circles where that's really, it's a respectful thing to do, right? Yeah. If, if someone honored is in the room or something like that, then you would take off your cap, mm-hmm. right? So when we're praying to the Lord, we should take off our cap, yeah. right? So this is, so goes the reasoning, you know, and then, you know, here we are like, you know, one of our, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of our, our younger preachers at, at Chicago here, like in our first year or second year here, like he once even preached with a cap on. So, I mean, I mean, <laughs> that's a, you know, it just depends on, you know, the tradition you're from. So that's mm. right. But so that was one of my kind of first impressions of Luke. And, and I remember when you were uh, getting involved in off, I was like, oh man, we're just not going to see this guy. Basically <laughs> for next two years which was kind of true but no but then i I always i think what i always took note of was kind of your i think you mentioned to me multiple times even through that time that you really want to get more involved and you know but right now you know the off off thing was kind of taking up a lot of your time and so that was sort of a and i remember encouraging because you know I, i think our staff were very eager to get people plugged in you know get people growing as soon as possible and so then i there might have been times where and i don't know if you felt this at all but you know maybe stefan at the time felt like, oh man, if only if Luke could have more time right now, you know? But I remember trying to just give everyone perspective that, hey, I mean, you know, maybe right now he's busy, but you know, that's all, it's only like, what, a year and a half where that commitment, like for with off off. And I think after that, I think he'll be more available. And in some ways I feel like, yeah. And then you got to develop relationships with off people. And those are potentially people that maybe God wants to use you, right. And mm-hmm. to reach them and be a blessing to them. So I'm really glad for how that all worked out. So yeah. those are my early thoughts on Luke with Neil. I just thought sky is too cool and I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably just your dress or then you're like a baller. And I was like, 
I was like, I hope that Ben can handle him. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but then look, but then I quickly heard that you guys had all these connections. So I was like, oh, that's nice. You know? And then, you know, you came out to church and stuff and, you know, I was just thankful, you know, just, I think you added to the diversity of our group a little bit, <laughs> like in terms of just the personalities and, you know, know. kind of like that. Yeah, that's that's what comes to mind at least. I'm sure I had other thoughts, but I've, I've since forgotten. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. 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 Anything else? Yeah. You got anything? Because I got another question. Left. Is the past, present, future of IIT? So, what was your first impressions of IIT? Its culture, its campus, and the people around it, and the food. Uh, <laughs> what's your current opinions on it and what do you see in the near future for IIT so my impression of IIT when we first went there is it's you know it's a small campus a lot of international students yeah. and I felt like everyone was introverted yeah so it's crazy because you know we'll go to a campus and the things that we'll do are like we'll do surveys like spiritual surveys uh -huh. we'll go to the dining hall and we'll just talk to some random students see what that's like and then we might do something a little bit more like outreachy you know like questions for God or, you know, like just stuff that you do like out on campus. And I don't know, I guess just compared to my experiences at other campuses, like people are a lot more quiet, mm -hmm. a lot more people like sitting by themselves in the dining yeah. hall, I think then, I mean, that's more and more common nowadays, but I think even more so it was at Illinois Tech. And so those are some of my uh, first impressions there. And then when we first, so I think it was your, so your freshman year, Neil, when we commissioned Ben and Amy to officially take on that campus mm -hmm. as, as their mission field. And then they started doing outreach, man, it was hard. Like it was hard. And then I think it was really hard to find girls on the campus. I think it is a largely male dominated yeah, campus, yeah. but doing outreach there was hard in that respect. And, and then it was hard because we don't have official status there. I guess current opinions on IIT, like I think the way that I view it right now is that it's it's a natural auxiliary campus for us. I mean, we can't not reach that campus. It's like yeah. 15 minute drive. That's if, for perspective. That's closer. So a lot of the Berkeley staff, they live in, if they're, especially if they're married or they have kids, they live in Alameda and mm -hmm. then they do ministry at Berkeley. That's a 25 minute drive, like on a good day. It can be longer if there's traffic. So, I mean, it's closer than that. Yeah. Right. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to reach this campus. I think though the reality is though that it's two different campuses with two different kinds of students with two different rhythms and and yeah. literally the campus like besides our spring break which happened to overlap which i'm thankful for uh -huh. you know starting ending times are all different so that makes it a little bit of a logistical challenge yeah. and in terms of future plans for it i, I do think that I, I do really want to kind of what you mentioned like the student group thing i, I think that's going to be the next step i think it's going to be hard for us to get anything with like legitimate traction on campus unless we get ourselves some sort of legitimate footprint mm -hmm. or like the other, let's say we get rejected for that again. Then the other option would be like maybe to have someone or a pair of people live like right next to campus. Yeah. Cause I think we just need a physical gathering place mm -hmm. that can become a regular place that people can come to. Otherwise it's really hard to start a community there. That's sort of on my mind. And I definitely do want to dedicate like a group of staff or yeah, to actually start that group there. Yeah. So it's what we did with Ben and Amy and Nicholas and Jeanette, but I, I'm just not sure about the, about the timing and, and who would be a good fit for that mm. right now. But that's all my mind. I, I really, I, I feel like I can't ignore it. And then along with IIT, there's Vandercook School of Music. Oh. Did you even know about Vandercook School of Music? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've met some people from yeah, there. There's two buildings on the IIT campus that are actually a separate campus called Vandercook. Yeah. And random story, but uh, like a month ago, a couple months ago, some of the brothers and I were meeting for breakfast here at Rue on the University of Chicago campus and we were doing our devotionals. 
And these, this couple just like randomly approached, hey, you guys reading scripture right now? And we're like, oh yeah. And then they're just asking us and they're like part of this ministry that's on Washington Park. Uh-huh. But the wife goes to Vandercook. Oh, wow. And so she's like, oh, we know Vandercook. We prayed for Vandercook. She's like, you guys pray for Vandercook? Why would you pray for Vandercook? Oh yeah, because it was on the list of like campuses without a gospel community. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were there praying for you guys mm-hmm. on your two buildings. And so she was really encouraged by that. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I mean, I, I, yeah. So like I said, like we want to do something there. It's really a logistical challenge at, yeah. at this point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Last um, questions. Uh, so I know this is kind of a hard shift from the other questions, but I don't know one one thing that I was curious for your perspective as as a pastor is like when do you know that God is calling you to do something versus when it's something that like maybe another person is calling you to do or like you're like you want to do like how do you know when it's actually God who's calling you to do that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, you know, uh, is it like me who wants to do it? Is it like my parents who are telling me or, you know, it, it could even be like someone in the church is telling you to do it, but that might not be what God is calling you for your life. And so how experientially have you uh, kind of figured that out? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I have I, the answer I'm about to give. It, it'll be from a personal angle. So I, mm-hmm. I don't think this is like a necessarily like a super theologically driven answer or because the thing is, so it, it really depends on the situation. And it, I think the biggest piece of advice I would say is that it requires wisdom and so it requires an abundance of counselors. And I think every major decision, if we're talking about like major decisions, I think needs to be taken into consideration with the opinions of others. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's I don't think it's any one of those things. But so let me first address this. You know, sometimes when people think about, okay, God's call on your life. So sometimes people think of that as like an audible voice of God speaking to you. I personally never experienced that in my life. I know people who do, and I know people who are a little more maybe sensitive to that and things like that, which and I think it's a, it is a legitimate way to hear from God. I just don't think that it's like super common. And then it's dangerous because like you're saying, it's hard to know whether that's my voice or if that's God's voice. Yeah. But I think what I would say is that if God's calling you to do something, it's going to align with scripture, mm-hmm. right? So it's going to align with God's teaching. So if you're hearing some direction for your life and it's, you know, whether it's from your friends or from people at, even people at church or your family, and that seems to go against something that, or something or some principle that God has been trying to show you through scripture, through his word, through your study of, of God's word, then I would be immediately suspicious of that. Then I'd be like, huh, okay, what is going on there? Because and which is why we need to con- continually kind of be in scripture mm-hmm. and, and hearing from God in that way. Cause I think that's the primary way in which God speaks to us. And then I, I think I would get the advice of like mentors that I trust who know my life. Right. So these are not like random mentors, right? These are not like, you know, like someone I'm going to email, like some other, some Christian out there. Who, hey, what do you think about this? No, they, they need to know who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. They need to know my struggles. They need to know how God's been leading me thus far and kind of, okay, where, where am I God? So in the abund- abundance of that situation of having a lot of counselors who know me, then I can get wisdom about what my next steps are in life. Um, and then for me, at least practically when it comes to these faith decisions, like big decisions, my parents perspective has been, I'll just say that it's been a complicated thing because there are now, I think when I was younger, I sort of was a little bit too simplistic about my parents, uh, you know, because I, I felt they were new Christians and, you know, they didn't have a lot of like biblical values at the time, like when I was growing up. And so I wasn't sure how much to trust what my parents said. 
But then I think over time, I've come to realize that actually, even in the things that they're saying, there's some truth there that I need to digest. And so I, I know that's not a very clear answer, but that's sort of personal to me, like how I've experienced that. But what, what I would say is that like with big decisions, it's really been the advice of my leaders at church. And then it's been kind of what I've been hearing from God. And then I would say that a big way that I think God has led me and called me is actually just through situations that have come up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that in my experience, that's been a, a big way in which God kind of gives me opportunities to say yes to him. So even from things like, like, how did I decide to stay at our church? For example, a big part of that was made easier because I got the offer to do a, a master's program at Berkeley. And, you know, like that just a lot of things lined up there. And mm-hmm. so that it became clear to me that seems to be the next natural step. And then in that one year where I did my master's program, I got to experience college ministry and I fell in love with that. And, and, and through that, like then there was the opportunity to stay on as a staff, you know, as a second year. And then I was able to get a job. I mean, I looked for jobs both in NorCal and SoCal and things like that, but then I found a job in the Bay Area. And so that, so a lot of things were aligning right there, right? So it kind of became a natural decision. I don't know if you have any follow-up questions or if that's even answering the questions. Yeah, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, like consulting others on like big life decisions is, I don't know, not like a new concept. I think growing up that's, and especially as you like become a, an adult for the first time, that's something you don't want to do. You're very excited mm-hmm. about, I get to make the choice. And mm-hmm. it's like me who gets to do that. And really college is kind of your first experience really doing that. Mm-hmm. Then like I was doing thinking, I was like, actually, I did consult people on a lot of the big decisions in my life. For example, when I went to college, it wasn't just, I decided I talked to my parents. I talked to my grandparents. I was like talking with my teachers and my friends. What do you think would be a good finish? Okay. No, I did consult people that I trusted. And then, yeah, thinking about other things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to not, you know, I feel like we oftentimes can get tunnel visioned on things that we want. Yeah. And then I, I personally think that like when it comes to all those intermediate steps that we take, yeah, what school, what job to take after, like, where am I going to be? I mean, I, I don't know if the helpful question is what is God's, what does God want me to do? Mm-hmm. So I think that God can lead you whatever decision you make mm-hmm. is sort of one way to think about it. You just don't want to make an ungodly decision, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And there's some clearly wrong decisions, right? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes those decisions are, there are decisions that you have to make that are hard because mm-hmm. you seem to have three equally okay options. And maybe it's fine either way. I think there's certain things that are very clear that God wants us to do. Great commission or, you know, like the first Thessalonians 5 verse that we talk about all the time. Give thanks in all circumstances for that is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's, you should give thanks. Like, have you been giving thanks? You know, like, right? there's some like very high level things that we know God wants us to do. And, and, and no matter what situation you're in, there's God's will for you in that situation. So some, and, and, you know, like our, sometimes, you know, we, our favorite joke sometimes is the, you know, the student who's wondering, does God want me to be a biochemist or a chemical biologist? You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. You should pray more about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know, and then we make, we can make fun of that, but maybe that's equally how yeah. some of the other decisions that we 
are so stressed out about maybe that's what that seems like on the grand scheme of things like when we take eternity into perspective mm-hmm. just make a decision like you know yeah get the advice of people though right I, I think the folly the foolish thing to do would be to not get anyone's advice and to like just be like this is the way i'm gonna do it like okay like genius all right, all right good luck with the rest of your life right but um but like as long as you're not doing that okay then at some point you just got to own your decision mm-hmm. right and then you gotta but you gotta make sure that whatever those specific decisions are like you're still gonna follow god right like mm-hmm. wherever you go right i mean that's yeah that's sort of a different maybe perspective yeah to have mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, i've been thinking like yeah about that and you know now as an upperclassman okay what am i gonna do after college like mm, once i'm done yeah. thinking mm. about job and things like that and you know like i don't know i would i'm thinking about like i would love to stay on here and you know mm. be part of the group here um mm that's something but would that be good for me like mm, you know yeah, is, yeah. is that you know how does that work with the job i would want to get like how right. would that work with you know what i'm best equipped for and yeah that's just been something on my mind a lot lately yeah and those are big decisions it feels really, <laughs> it feels really big and, and as you guys approach senior year that is going to be the big decision and mm-hmm. yeah and that's why that's what's uh, so special about senior retreat actually right so mm-hmm. when you're senior you guys will have a chance to attend the acts to network wide senior retreat and that's you know that everyone there is thinking about that, mm-hmm. right? And and that's sort of the the big subject actually. What's your life going to be about, right? And what your life going to be about again? That that question can be answered in a narrow way. Okay, in the next year, am I going to be a part of this network or not? There's that level to it, but there's a deeper level to it, which is okay. No matter where you go, though, let's say that like you're moving on from Chicago to a different place to pursue whatever, mm-hmm. right? But I think you'll know in your heart whether that move is really about is that move about honoring God or not. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a way in which we can think about our future that really ignores God, the God part of the equation. And I think that would be the thing that's God dishonors God. Right. Mm-hmm. And no matter where you actually end up, hopefully the firm commitment, it, you know, has to do with our new network vision. Right. Which is launching kingdom workers, lifelong kingdom workers from every college town. Right. And our, and our purpose and our hope is that we would launch you out and that you would be a lifelong kingdom worker wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. Yeah. Cool. Any last Questions or thoughts? Just anything that you would want to say on the D-Pod that you haven't had a chance to? Hmm. I mean, it's pretty cool to be like the first student episode. I know like Cheezera <laughs> is like a huge D-Pod fan. Oh man, just the and shout out to Cheezera there. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, yeah. Just I, I would, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that there's other students who love D-Pod. Yeah. yeah. And, and how thankful thankful to thankful. be the first oh, not the go. first jason matthew you yeah, mentioned yeah, that yeah. so first of the series yeah of mm, the series, series the student yeah. series yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure i got a question about mm-hmm. like like discipline because it's easy to make a schedule oh here's this time for this slot you can go to the gym at this spot or mm-hmm. it's just over time when things start piling up it's really hard to maintain that discipline to stick with the schedule how do you think do you have any advice on scheduling and time management in that aspect based on the way you worded that question i I think one of the things i would say is that you kind of have to revisit your schedule periodically right so uh, for a student a natural progression would be like every semester or every quarter like you have to look again at your schedule and what's so so it's like that for me too you know like it's not because i'm out of school like i I actually struggle with time management even more now, I think, than maybe ever before, because no one's telling me. I mean, I have certain things as a as a network staff, as a full timer for our church that I have certain expectations and things like that. And that, that really helps, like to mm-hmm. kind of help prioritize my time. But at the end of the day, I, I have 24 hours in a day. I have seven days a week. Now I have two kids to raise. I have, you know, I have a family and 
is yeah, how many hours and all of that, right? And so it's honestly just an exercise. So for me, when I was a college student, actually, I didn't use a calendar because I'm actually naturally very calendar minded. Mm-hmm. And so the way I think about my life is through a calendar. And so I was able to memorize everything. But actually, I think towards my end of my college years, by my senior year, I started having to actually put it into a calendar because I just couldn't keep track of all the things I'm supposed to do. And I keep dropping balls. Right. So then the only way I can manage my life right now is that things have to make it onto the calendar. If I'm going to do it, then it has to be on the calendar. If it's not on my calendar, then I'm lying to you. If I tell you like, hey, I'm going to do that, I'll do that. If you don't see me put into my calendar, I'm totally lying to you. It's not going (laughs) to. So deep I've been saying I'm going to record all quarter. No, the only time it happened is this weekend where I actually put it into my Google calendar. I was like, okay, guys, we're actually doing this. Right? Yeah, and then all these times, like, people were like, oh, when are you recording? I'm like, oh, I'll record it. I'll record it, man. Like, I'll get to it. <laughs> Fully knowing that I'm not going to. <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's one practical thing is I, I would actually work it out into a calendar or mm-hmm. some sort of schedule. Right. And so then, and then I will start with what the non-negotiables are. Like, the first things that I usually schedule in are, you know, when am I reading my Bible? When mm-hmm. am I praying? It's, it's easy. You just do recurring events weekly. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do it at the same You don't have to be cre- like, okay, first of all, if you're coming up with your schedule every week, you're doing it wrong. Okay. Your schedule should 90% be already there every week. Like, cause you know, that's just how our lives are. Mm-hmm. Right. And you probably go to the bathroom every same time every, you know, every day, right? <laughs> Maybe not. Un- no. no. Okay. Never mind. No, no. <laughs> TMI. My, TMI. No, lactose. My stomach. <laughs> It's, it's on a weird schedule. Sorry. There's some of our, uh, maybe this is TMI, but anyways, you know, during DT, you know, the same people are going to go to the bathroom during that <laughs> DT time at certain times. Anyways, sorry, TMI. <laughs> but okay, all that to say, I'm, I'm just trying to say that I will start with what the non-negotiables are. So I remember when I was a student, it was things like that I knew I should be at, you know, prayer meeting, yeah. Bible study. Like yeah. I would just slot those in first. And then I obviously have my class hours. So I'd really try not to schedule classes that conflict with those times. I failed in a couple of quarters or, you know, semesters, but, you know, like it just had to work around that. Mm-hmm. And then I had to figure out, OK, like, when am I going to do my homework? And it's sort of like what Luke was saying earlier about, so when am I going to hang out with people? Sometimes, funny enough, we have to schedule that in, like, otherwise it's not going to happen. Right. Or mm-hmm. like you have to just leave a block open at yeah. least. Right. So I have. <clears throat> so even for me now, like I have my Friday, like Friday, 1130 to one o'clock slot is actually my, that's when I intentionally go over to the single brothers place. And that's where a lot of the guys work, right? If I don't schedule that in, I can go a whole week without visiting that house. Just naturally how I am, right? Cause I'm just heads down. I'm just trying to get to the work or I have various meetings with people. I'm on campus. And for me to just oh, saunter over to the single bro space, and be like, hey, the, the, how's it guys going? And just connect with people. I'm sorry to say, I, I wish that were natural, but it wouldn't happen otherwise. And so I have that scheduled in. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's surprising to you guys, but th- so then that's, and then that's the one, you know, one meal a week where I asked all the staff, Hey, if you're able to make it this Friday lunch, let's all try to be there. Cause that's the lunch that I'll be at. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we've been trying to do. And so that's where I'm at right before the IIT, when I go to oh, IIT for DT. That's why everyone was there yesterday. Oh yeah. But then, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm not there yesterday. Cause I, I was I, sick. I filled in for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. So all that to say, I, I don't know if that answers your question at all, but I think you have to like keep revisiting mm-hmm. and then your priorities will change. Let's say that man recently you felt convicted about memorizing scripture or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Well, you got to figure out when you're going to do that yeah. again. Like it's meaningless unless you actually mix it into your actual time. And so that's a big thing we emphasize in our discipleship, which is yeah. Like good intentions and, you know, being convicted by these messages and stuff. It's all good. But unless you know how to get that into your schedule, like in the end, it's a little bit meaningless. It's okay. You, you got to actually prioritize and prioritize means making time out in your schedule, which means saying no to certain other things. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the big thing. What are you going to say no to in order to actually make make all this stuff happen? So, mm. Yeah. 
Cool. Thanks for giving me a chance to just rant about that topic. Well, we, almost, <laughs> we almost went into funnel theory right there. Oh, yeah. Oh. It was close. It was, it was, close. It was close, close, but we pulled out a little bit, so I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we can still keep this uh, rated, <laughs> rated G. It's okay. <laughs> General audience. <laughs> I, I had another question, too, that I've kind of thought about, you know, as yeah. you're talking. How do you think your faith journey from, you know, high school to college and then, you know, college to kind of post-grad, how has that changed in the way you raise your kids and how has like your faith changed since becoming a father and I don't know the ways you want to, you know, raise your kids to, you know, grow up and know Jesus. And then, but you know, it's a personal decision that everyone makes. Right. So I guess I'm kind of curious for your perspective as someone whose parents were Christian and, you know, raised me, you know, like going to church and telling me about Jesus. What's mm -hmm your perspective as the parent yeah. now with that. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting actually. Yeah, so one thing is that uh, when I think about my old my own childhood, how I explain it is that I grew up going to church but I was not raised in a Christian household actually because my, my parents became Christian when I was maybe like 4th grade and they were new Christians. Mm. I mean, we had no Christians in our family at the time, so they were the first. And so even though we started going to church, their values like they themselves were not Christ-like yet. Right. And, and that they had just begun on that journey. And so for a significant period of my childhood, you know, I was raised on very secular values. Right. And, and kind of the old Korean values, traditional values. So that was the big thing I was raised on. And so I, I don't think I was really raised in a. So I considered myself like a first generation Christian, mm -hmm. like basically and I became Christian in college. And I think, you know, in some ways, my, my parents and I have been on a faith journey together. Right. Like they've been growing in their faith as I've been growing in my faith. And we challenge each other, you know, they they feel challenged and maybe sometimes threatened by the things that I've done uh, to take steps of faith and, and that's caused them to grow. And so it's been really good to kind of work that out together. But so when I think about that, yeah, in some ways, I don't know what it's like to be raised in a, in a Christian household. And one thing that I try to do with my, one thing I acknowledge, you know, as my role as a father for Emma and Lucas is that like, I'm responsible for speaking gospel truths into them. You know, now, you know, now they're part of the Acts to Kids program and things like that. So, you know, like the age sisters, you know, they do a lot of the, you know, Sunday programming for them. But, you know, in the end, again, I believe for college students, you know, Sunday morning's not enough, right? They have to experience, you know, Christian life day in and day out and kind of know what that's like. One of the advices that I've heard many times about what leads to healthy kind of, you know, we talk about pastor's kids or missionary kids, church planter kids. One of the, seems like one of the distinguishing things that really helps people adjust well is for people, for the kids to not feel like there's two things. It's one, the kids feeling like they, they are a part of the ministry. Okay. So that's one thing that really helps. So mm -hmm. it, usually there's a, a bad tension that happens when the pastor, father or whatever, you know, really is like, this is their job, their ministry is their job. And then, you know, they have their family life and it's very separate. Mm. And so then I think kids seem to not know how to process that properly. The second thing is when, because they're a pastor's kid or because they're a missionary kid, the really high standards are put on them, right? And they can't behave like a normal kid, right? And, and that usually leads to some baggage that, you know, is really hard for those kids. And so a lot of stories and testimonies that I've heard of kids who are really adjusting well are kids that were really involved actually in their parents' ministry. And second of all, even though they were really involved, they did not have these 
unrealistic expectations put on them just because they were pastor's kids. And so that's something I'm mindful of when I'm raising my kids. Like I, and I, I think you guys get to experience my kids being part of our ministry. I mean, they love having the uncles and aunties over. Uncle and, Luke, shoulder in. Yeah, yeah. This morning, yeah. As soon as they came in, Luke uh, came in, and the Lucas doesn't even say hi. He just says shoulder ride. Like, <laughs> uh, dude, say hi first. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then you know it's funny because sometimes like Emma will be like, "Oh, is anyone coming over for dinner today?" I'm like, "Oh no, it's just our family." Oh, <laughs> like what? What with it just being a family? <laughs> no, but I really appreciate that because they just love having the college, and, and, I, and I love the fact that like my my kids get to have college students that they look up to, mm. right? I don't know. I didn't have college yeah. students growing up that I looked up to, yeah. and and right now the difference in age, I guess, is really big. But I imagine later on, like when they're like ten, twelve, they're in middle school, starting to go to high school, and they'll have college students that they can look up to, and like, oh. And, and for them, a college student can be this Christian. I think a lot of kids, like when they grow up, a college student has certain, if you just watch movies, like it's just like about partying or it's just like all this like worldly stuff. But no, mm-hmm. they'll have like college students who are trying to pursue Christ as their role model. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really healthy role model to have. Yeah. So that's something I'm really um, looking forward to and I'm really thankful for. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm answering your question anymore, but the other <laughs> side of this, I guess, is that um, uh, how, how has it kind of shaped my view of ministry is that what you're saying How, or, or ministry just, or your own like personal oh, my faith personal journey, faith journey? Ministry yeah. to, uh, that's an interesting yeah. thing to hear about as well i think that definitely having kids has mellowed me out as a person a little bit more especially having a daughter as my first child uh, it's interesting before we had a kid a lot of the older sisters in my life you know like they they kept commenting that you know dp you need a daughter and i was like <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> and why did it, why did different people independently keep saying that? To me? <laughs> so I got a group chat. Everyone tell DP yeah. he needs a daughter. Is this the Holy Spirit or what is this? Like, <laughs> That's yeah. So I mean, in hindsight, you know, I take that to mean that I was sort of, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of you know, slightly Pharisaic personality. I'm very like, you know, you know, all my ROTC back, you know, JROTC background in high school, considering going to Naval Academy. You know, I, I was a certain kind of person, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 I think. Having a daughter and kind of that tapping into sort of maybe like the an emotional side of me or a more sensitive side of me that like I I I didn't give myself permission to access in a little way maybe because of my upbringing I don't know but but I think just having a daughter who like I I adore so much and being able to like just even be okay with showing affection or just like that that was also new to me when I became a father I mean if it's interesting because it felt so natural. But then for anyone observing me, that would have felt so unnatural because mm. they would have been like, what in the, like, so sick. That's just not what who, happened to DP. Yeah, that's just not who DP is, right? <laughs> and, and I don't know how you guys view me, but I feel like my ability to communicate or just even as a preacher, being able to tap into certain emotions yeah, that yeah. maybe I didn't have before, I think it's expanded my emotional world a lot. I mean, it's still pretty limited. I think my emotional world, <laughs> you know, like I was sharing at our Thanksgiving service, you know how, you know, I just, I feel like I can't express myself sometimes, but no, I, I definitely think it's expanded a lot. And, mm. and so it, I think it's made me more effective as hopefully as a husband too. And, you know, definitely as a minister. Yeah. And then when I had Lucas, my son, it, it reminded me of, you know, so I was like, Oh, that's why the, these older sisters said that I should have a daughter first <laughs> because with Lucas, my kind of, I realized that my my stricter side comes out. Mm. Maybe because he's a son, there's just something emotionally that's not as much of a connection. And so that's something I'm personally still wrestling with right now, like trying to figure out like how to balance that and like Mm. becoming more self-aware just Mm. as a person as I raise both those kids because 
you know, you know, Luke is still really young and, you know, he needs a lot of, obviously both kids need a lot of love, but I think the kind of affection that I can show Emma feels very different from Lucas and I'm still trying to figure out why that is and mm-hmm. how to work that out. So, yeah, those are some of my, my thoughts there. Depod parenting episode. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, now that uh, Steph and Vivian are. Uh, oh, that's that would, true. That would be interesting. I, I just, ha- we haven't hit that yet because I felt like that wouldn't be as relevant of a topic for the students yet. Unless you guys I think have it's the interesting. thoughts. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just to kind of hear what the staff are going through and things mm-hmm. like that. Oh, that's true. You've changed my mind on that, Luke. All right. <laughs> All right, okay, dude. It's been two hours, ten minutes so oh, far. Wow. Two hours? Yeah. Should we wrap it up soon now? Yeah, my stomach's you guys? been grumbling like every two minutes. <laughs> so you I, might be I'm able starting to, hear to smell some. Oh, I have oh, yeah. some cooking down there. Oh yeah, I think actually our staff meeting started eight minutes ago that I'm supposed to be leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll wrap it up there. Okay, mm-hmm. for today's episode. All right, here we go. All right, thanks everybody for joining in for our first students episode. Hope you enjoyed that. And hopefully we'll be able to get more of the students on to hear their stories and their questions. And hopefully it'll be instructive for everybody. All right, thanks guys for coming on today. Yes, sir. Thank you. you. Thank you.